Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Good evening, Faith Assembly. It's good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Carl, for the opportunity to share. Um, when last week he said this was uh, one of his favorite passages, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, great, no pressure. Um, so keep me in prayer as we go, as I try to honor my pastor, um, and we get into the book of James. So tonight I, or can we continue in the book of James? Tonight I want to ask you a simple question. Um, how long can you keep a secret? How long can you keep a secret? Uh, there's something about human beings that whenever someone says, hey, I have something to tell you, and it's, uh, and it's something so important, and they say this magic phrase, but I need you not to tell anyone. <laughs> something about us human beings is like, our ears perk up. <gasps> what did you just say? <laughs> Talk to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. And so we are ready to hear this thing, uh, this phrase, this um. This, this, this information that is about to come into us. And so uh, we want to know right there, especially if the information is very critical or important, or maybe if the information is juicy, to call it that way, tongue-in-cheek, uh, it's very hard to keep a secret. In fact, Tufts University studied this human phenomenon, and their studies say that when we are trusted with a secret, especially if it involves very critical information, we humans have a very hard time staying silent. In fact, the bigger the secret, the harder it is to keep. Let me tell you what happens when a big secret is uh, deposited in your life. Studies say that your body will begin to betray you, that your nonverbal communication will begin to tell the other person that you are withholding some information. You are going to be nervous, you may be fidgety, maybe you sweat, maybe you will mm, mumble. Something happens in the human body that just begins to communicate that there is something in me that I know and I need to say it, but I can't say it. Um, until you cannot contain it any longer. And it reaches that organ of the body that is very unique, uh, very interesting. It's actually a muscle, and it's called the tongue. And so you know it's there, and you know you can't say it. And uh, uh, you're there, and it's like, uh, and you blurt it out. And it comes out. It comes out. The secret comes out. Have you ever blurted out something and said, now why did I just say this? Why? How many of you have gotten in trouble with your tongue before? Man, it is difficult to contain the tongue. It is so hard that the, this, this section of the book of James begins to, 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 to talk about the tongue as if, almost as if it's a person. It personifies the tongue. The tongue's not a person. It's just a muscle. But James knows that the struggle is so real. How many of you can say the struggle is real? that he begins to personify the tongue to teach us a lesson. And so uh, we're going to go to James chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. And so we're going to go one by one. And we have a lot of ground to cover, but I believe we can do it with the help of God. Um, and, uh, we're, you know, and with listening ears. And so uh, I, 
I pray that today will feel like I'm telling you a secret and that your attention will be and your ears will be wide open to what God wants to tell you. Can I get an amen on that one? All right, so as we go to the book of James, uh, I, I got to tell you that I enjoy the book of James. Um, he's the type of author that just tells it like it is. Uh, there is no circumlocution with James. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't, like, speak around the subject. He goes straight to the heart of the matter. And so uh, let's approach uh, this segment verse by verse. We'll go to James 3, verse 1. First verse, the Word of God says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so that's the way the chapter opens. Teaching should not be approached cavalierly or carelessly, okay? Around the time this book was written, there were certain false teachers and certain false gospels and some kind of like bad doctrine was going around. And so James is like, you know, be very careful. When, if you think you're a teacher, be very careful. If you think you can stand up and begin to espouse truth. Because basically, um, there is... Uh, if you, if you speak the wrong thing, the Lord is going to judge you, and he's going to judge you very harshly or very strongly. And so he is, um, speaking about, is about to speak about the tongue, but in this context of teaching, okay? That's the background of what he's trying to teach right here. And so uh, when, you know, here at Faith Assembly, talking about the strictness of being a teacher, when someone tells me, Pastor Marcus, I want to be a teacher, you know, I initially I get happy, but then I kind of go with this a little bit like so you sure you want to be a teacher? Yeah, yeah, I want to teach. I feel I'm gifted. I'm like, okay. And so we have a process that is kind of strict. I don't know if you want, can call it strict, but, you know, they have to take a training and they have to go through certain things and requirements and uh, they have to fill out a teacher covenant because the teacher covenant, you think a covenant to teach? Yes, we're teaching the Word of God and we want to make sure that the person is saying, we want to make sure the person knows all that is required from the Word and by the Lord to teach and that they know they are fully aware that they, uh, their lives will be scrutinized by others and by God when they teach. And so, now don't let that discourage you if you want to teach, uh, right? Come on down. We'll welcome you and just know uh, you got to stick in a line. You're teaching to the Word of God. If you do that, you're going to be okay. Amen? Um, so, uh, thank you very much. One of the... Um, you know, just to, to talk about the teachers will be judged very harshly. Let me tell you, the, the harshest words that Jesus ever spoke were reserved for teachers. If you go to Matthew 23, you're going to enter that chapter of the woe, woe to the, and woe to the, I mean, he just goes off and off and off and off, one by one by one by one, and uh, the, the, that, that kind of language is reserved for teachers, all right? They were teaching the wrong thing. That's why he's saying those things, but... um. Just be aware that when you approach teaching, you do it uh, knowing what you're getting yourself into, all right? So when we teach, we teach with fear, but like all respect to the word. Can I get an amen on that one? All right, verse 2, the word of God says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. So, Though James is uh, warning teachers and that whole thing that I told you, he is humble enough to recognize our human condition, right? He's being really real here. He knows that due to Adam, we are all bo born with a, a proclivity or a tendency 
to sin or to make mistakes uh, or to get in trouble. And so he knows, you know, uh, that we all fail in many certain times or in different ways. And so, but, but he says, but, but let me tell you something. Though we all stumble, though we all get in trouble, though we all, you know, uh, do not make the grade at certain times, he does make this great statement. He says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. I think that's a pretty remarkable statement. In other words, he's saying, if you've learned to control what you say, that is a sign that you are a mature person. Someone that cannot control their mouth, that's a sign of immaturity. How many of you know children cannot control their mouths? They're obviously their children. How many of you know there are many adults who have not learned to still master that skill that you should have learned in childhood? But anyway, we are here to learn, and we're not here to judge, but we are here to see what the Word of God is telling us with this. So in the modern world, one of the hardest things to do is to show restraint. For example, when you see a social media topic that you really want to get in there and get into arguments maybe. And so uh, you see somebody posting something online, maybe something foolish, something someone's babbling, and you're like, oh, Lord, give me all your help not to answer because, you know, maybe if you engage with someone that does not have a lot of wisdom, you can enter a whole... Uh, argument that is unnecessary. And so uh, this, this is hard for us modern people with social media. It happens also in real life, but particularly it's hard with social media. There's two words that I teach my kids at an early age, right? It's um, discretion and modesty. Now, I teach this to them when they're really early. They can barely say the words. Dad, what did you say? I'm like, discretion, repeat after me, and modesty. So I teach my kids these words early, and my wife and I both do, because it is very important. I think these are principles that will really help them later in life. And it's related to this verse in James. Discretion is the ability to refrain from saying something even though I am really, really, really tempted to say it. That's what it is. I'm giving you the simple definition. It's that ability to say, mm, I'm just not going to go there and I'm just going to have some discretion. I'm going to hold back. This information is unnecessary at the moment. And so I'm going to refrain from speaking it, from sharing this information. Uh, I teach them that early, and later they tell me that this person didn't show discretion. I'm like, yes, you got it. And so it helps them. Uh, why do I teach them this? Because I've learned uh, the lessons of uh, the heart lessons and the heart knock lessons of life. And so um, I'm trying to, you know, for them to avoid it. And so the reason I teach them uh, the word modesty is because basically modesty is the ability to understand that what that there are some things about you that are considered private. And so, although modesty is not directly related to speech, it reinforces the idea of self-control. And so, I, 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 ta I teach modesty to Sofia, to Andres, to Italia. And so, they know what this is, and they live with that. And so, it helps us to uh, live our Christian life in a better way. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? So, all right, good. Let's keep going. Uh, the second thing I see in the verse is a key to human behavior, almost like a secret. And so this is really a secret, all right? You're like, what is he going to say? All right, if you can control your tongue, check it out, you can exercise control 
for the rest of your body. All right, what? What is he saying? If you can control your tongue, you can exercise control or restraint for the rest of your body. I think this statement has incredible implications. That means that if I can control the words I speak, there are other parts of my body that I will be able to control. There is a direct connection to me being able to control my body and me being able to control other appetites, other organs. And so maybe you are struggling in certain areas of self-control. Let me tell you, there's a principle here from the Word of God that is, is a key, it's a secret, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nugget that I'm going to give you tonight. If you can control your words, this will make it a lot easier to control the rest of your body. So if you receive it, say, I receive it. All right, so basically what I'm telling you is if you can control the tongue, you've leveled up in your in other abilities as well. You will definitely level up in other abilities as well. The next verse reinforces this idea. Let's go to verse 3. If we put, James says, bits into the mouths of horses so they can obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So one small object can control a massive animal. One small object can control a massive animal. I don't know if you've ever tried to control a horse that is already in motion, but I'll tell you a story. We, back in the day, went on a mission trip to Nicaragua, and uh, we signed up for our free day to go ahead and have. It was called horse riding on the seashore. Well, that sounds exciting, right? That to me sounds like I want to go and do that. Sounds more romantic than it was, but please hear me out. The price was dirt cheap, so we're like, yes, we're going to do it. The whole team is going to be awesome. And so we get there, and it wasn't really a seashore. It was more like a lake, and it wasn't really sand. It was more like a bumpy hill. And so we, they sit us on these horses, each and every single one of us, and, you know, they give me a small horse. I'm like, have you seen me? Like, are you sure you're going to put me on that thing? And so they did, and the guy goes, Rrr. and so that horse just starts going. The, the, the horse starts moving by itself. I'm like, wait, I thought was a, this was a guided tour. No guided tour. This horse is just going nuts. And I'm going there. And everybody's like, other people are passing me by. Hey, Pastor, this is great. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Inside, I'm dying. I'm scared. I think I'm going to fall and make a fool of myself. And I, but I'm smiling. Um, and I'm like, what is this thing going to do? Uh, it actually went to a certain point, knew where to turn around, and came back to the original point, And no one fell. And no one fractured anything, and so that was a great victory uh, in that mission trip. But uh, what I'm saying is uh, that there is a direct correlation between controlling the tongue and controlling the rest of the functions of the body, kind of referring to the other verse. One small object, the bit, placed under the tongue can control an animal that is huge with incredible and massive strength. One small object, all right? So what is this bit for us? So I believe this bit can be the Holy Spirit. I believe we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I would expect a few more amens when I said that. Lord, what can control this tongue? I have trouble. It's hard. I wish I could do something. Well, you can do something. You can ask the Holy Spirit to help you control it. So is it a, an actual thing you put under your tongue? No. It's a life of prayer. It's asking him to help you live a life in the Spirit. It's asking him to help you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit every single day. And when you have the Holy Spirit with you, it functions like a bit in your 
tongue, and it allows you to have some control. So I'm going to say, let's submit uh, our tongues to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, to the Lordship of Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Some of us, uh, some of us is like, Lord, just, just I submit my tongue, right? Some of you have to, have to crucify the tongue. I mean, you got to go all out. This is not like Holy Spirit, tender, mild king, come and hold thy tongue. No, no, no. Some of you is like, come on, Lord, get the nail out. Let's do this because this is out of control. And you just got to get in there, and the Holy Spirit needs to do his thing, right? I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20. That includes the tongue for, for, for some of us, amen? And so allow the Lord to do his thing in your tongue, hallelujah. So uh, uh, we need to submit our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called living in the Spirit. That is, that is, that is still a thing, all right? So let's live in the Spirit, and this will help our tongue, amen? The next verse gives us a second image communicating the same truth. Uh, James is breaking it down, okay? So verse 4, it says, Look at the ship also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so in the image of a horse, we learn that controlling the tongue allows us to stop when we need to, okay? We don't know when to stop, and that thing helps us stop. In the image of the ship, we learned that controlling the tongue controls our direction. Say with me, direction. This is pretty powerful stuff. Guys, that means that even in strong winds, because that's the image, in other words, even when there is direct opposition or pressure, as Pastor Johnny was preaching this weekend, we can exercise control. We can exercise control. In other words, uh, tonight, maybe you find yourself overwhelmed with a huge problem, bigger than yourself, like a ship, huge, massive, okay? And maybe you um, are in a difficult situation. Maybe you have unexpected storms that have come out in your life, and you're like, how in the world am I going to, you know, am I going to handle the situation? It's bigger than me, and it's unexpected, and it's just rocking my world right now, and so... At that moment, you can use your tongue to provide direction to your life. Pastor, how do I use my tongue to provide direction in my life? Well, these are great moments to pray the Word of God out loud. When moments like this come, you should, I encourage you to do so if you haven't done it. I encourage for it to become a habit in your life. Pray the Word of God out loud. So, Pastor... Does that mean that you believe in the name it and claim it thing? Well, not necessarily. But I do believe in the power of the word of God spoken out loud. I do believe that there is something incredible when we align ourselves with the word of God and we put it on our tongue and we just speak it out by faith in the name of Jesus. There is power in the tongue. And so it's not just power for evil, but power for incredible good. And I want to focus on that for a second. I believe that Jesus even gave us a literal example when he was on that boat and there was a storm and there were waves and he stands up and he tells the waves, be still. 
he tells the, 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 the wind, be still. He used his mouth, his words. And so we can do the exact same thing Jesus did and pray out the word and pray out the promises and pray out what he said. And so if we're having trouble in our life, it's like you could just, Lord, um, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And you just start like, thank you that you are my helper. Thank you that you, my help is coming from you. And it will reach me. And you just start praying the word. You know, great is he that is in me. And then he that is in the world. And you just start speaking that word. Uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me or against my house or against my kids or against my home or against my marriage. You speak that word. And you're just, when you do that, you're giving direction. You're telling your body, align, align with the word. You're telling your spirit, align with the word. You're telling your mind, believe what the word says. Faith comes by hearing, sometimes even your own hearing. Your own hearing comes out of your own mouth, that it comes into your own ear. And it reminds your spirit, who's in control? Who's the king? Who has the solution? Who has the, the, the exit, the answer to your trouble? And it is the word. And there's power when it, that word is in our tongues. And it could take something so huge like a boat, a massive, massive boat, and redirect it from a little, little rudder. It can do that when we do that with the Word of God. Can I get an amen on that? So, I want to tell you that it's not, it's not magic either. You do have to live, you know, for God and have your life aligned with the Word of God so that when you pray the Word of God, you know, there's a flow to it and it, and it becomes true. It's not like live your life any way you want it and then in a magical potion you pull out a verse and then everything is going to just automatically align. So... Tonight, if your, life is, if your life is not aligned with the Word of God, it's a great night to do some inventory and align your life and then align your words to that Word. Amen. There will be transformation if you, in your life if you do that. Hallelujah. At the end of service, we will open the altars, and you can come and pray and believe, and you can even ask somebody here, hey, can you help me pray this out loud? Would you agree with me in prayer? Would you say this with me, please? And we will definitely pray with you. We will love doing that with you in the altar. Hallelujah. Verse 5. i got to hurry up. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So... The common habit with this is an issue with the tongue is an issue of the heart. If you have an issue with the tongue, you actually have an issue with the heart. I think this force image, uh, fire, this, this fire force image is actually an incredible and an excellent image. James is giving us some of the most memorable images in, in the New Testament, actually. This chapter, I mean, scholars speak about the incredible image this, this man uses. They're very memorable. We remember them, right? The horse, the ship, the fire, the, the forest. And so let me tell you a story that I read um, recently. I read an article, actually, last week, that there was a lady that was on a hike from California to Canada. So she gets thirsty and wants to drink some lake water, and so she decides to boil some water so that she can drink it. So unintentionally, unintentionally, she started a fire, okay? You are not supposed to have forest fires when there is drought, and so she um, basically began a massive fire in California that was burning until like a few days ago, all right? Last time I checked, that fire had grown to burn 8,500 acres of land. It actually has a name, the Fawn Fire. 
You know how they name storms? They now name fires. It's called a fawn fire. That fire has destroyed homes and has forced thousands of evacuations. So now, are you ready? She's facing nine years in prison for arson. That's not a fun day. Do you think it was her intention to set that kind of fire? Absolutely not. She was thirsty and she did not use wisdom, obviously. But it was not her intention to do this. She's not an arsonist. But that's the whole point of this imagery. That's the whole point of what James is trying to tell us. Sometimes we forget the power of our words. Sometimes we don't have the intention, um, but one wrong word, one phrase that comes out the wrong way or at the wrong time can, can really do some damage. Maybe you speak a word and you don't even know, and, and, and then you can't take it back. You can't take it back, and a word you speak to someone, the wrong word can be like a, like a, like a forest burning in their hearts for years and, and devastating God knows what. So James is saying, be careful. Watch out. I don't think you understand the power. I don't think you understand the potential of a flame that lies in your tongue and what it can do, all right? For bad. There's, there's Im- both images, for good and bad, but this one for bad. And so uh, please beware, right? There should be signs near our tongue, flammable, beware, you know? Uh, we should uh, have warning signs. Uh, well, the Holy Spirit helps us with that, right? Uh, Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. I mean, just, this just gives it like it is, right? Those seemingly insignificant, we really must watch out for the, 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 the petty sins, the, the things that do come out of our mouth. Uh, people think that some of the things we say are, you know, because eh, it's not like a, one of the bad, bad sins. You know, it's okay. I just kind of do these things. And so beware, guys, with, with, our, with, the, with problems with our speech. Um, and maybe we think, oh, they're just little peccadillos. Uh, they're not that bad. It's just peccadillos, little sins, right? A little gossip here, there, little slander, little insult, maybe just, just bad habits of speaking negativity all the time. You know, and God's like, get that out of your mouth. Get that out. You don't understand. You're like setting fires right and left, and you don't get it. You don't even understand that you leave, and you don't know the path that you left. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. It's what the Holy Spirit is telling us through James. And so, remember, it's not what, what, what enters the body that defiles the body. It's what comes out of the body that defiles the body. Uh, guys, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, mm, if you're dealing or struggling with some of these peccadillos, maybe it's time, like I said, to do some inventory and be like, What's going on? Why have I not been able to control this thing? Could it be there's something in my heart that I need to bring to the presence of God? Maybe something. It doesn't have to be a big sin, guys, but just we have to watch out our condition before the Lord, our spiritual condition before the Lord, because whatever's in here will manifest outside, whether you want it or not, like that secret, what what is hidden will automatically come out. It'll come out of your mouth. It'll come out nonverbal. It'll just come out. So make sure what is in there is good so that what comes out and flows out of you is actually good and edifying for the body and the community and your family. Amen? Let the, let the Word of God diagnose you today, all right? Let the Word of God diagnose you today. Verse 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
All right, so just, just like going a little deeper there with that imagery. So my interpretation of this verse may not sound very eloquent, but here it is. Sometimes animals are smarter than us. He's like, these beasts can be tamed and you can't control your tongue? We have a problem. We have a problem. So in that sense, animals sometimes can be uh, as smart than us. And so uh, he's saying this, is, this thing is really, really hard to control, and it can be poison, so watch out and beware, okay? Uh, let's depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the wisdom of the Word of God control our tongues. And then, then, then our tongues will be uh, for blessing and not for evil. Verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Oof. Ooh, is it hitting home yet? Because, I mean, one of these verses applies to you or a few, okay? Um, it, you you got to be real, right, when you get to the Word. Because definitely, you, and me too, you preach the Word first to you before you preach it to others. And so, guys, duality should not exist in the life of the believer. It's very simple. Duality should not exist in the life of the believer. There's this liberty we take ourselves that James is warning us against, and that is... Uh, for us to kind of see people that are not believers, maybe, or people who are not doing well with the Lord. And we're just like, <laughs> look at that heathen, such a sinner. Or would I, I don't know, we just say stuff, right, that is judgmental, that is uh, condescending or, or, you know, just plain uh, evil and mean. And so, and so James is saying, just, just be careful with that because uh, with your mouth, like if you uh, bless the Lord... Um, why are you cursing those, you know, that, that the Lord created? And so, let me tell you what we're getting at here. Um, I don't believe that everyone is a child of God. I believe those who accept Jesus in the heart and serve Jesus with all their might are called sons of God or daughters of God. But we are all created by God. We still are all created by God. In fact, it says here, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. When God created Adam, he imprinted him with his likeness. Psalm 139 talks about that the Lord knit us in our mother's womb. It also says, my unformed body saw your eyes. If I read that in the Spanish version, it says, my embryo saw your eyes. Mi embrión vieron tus ojos. So what, is, what I believe is happening is something that science called imprinting. The first thing that an animal sees, the first parent that an animal or human sees that, that forms a bond and a connection that lasts a lifetime. I believe that God we serve in the mother's womb takes the time to knit us personally, not with his own hand, but to imprint his image on us and be like, I got you. I love you. I have plans for you. If you only knew, oh, what I'm forming right here. Woo, he's excited. He's imprinting his, uh, his likeness, his image in us. David said it. My own form body saw your eyes. It's a powerful image. And so everyone that is created has the likeness of God or the image of God. Pastor, but even heathens? <laughs> Come on, guys, even heathens. So we need to begin to see people not because of the outward appearance of whatever, but we need to see the image of God in them. Because the fact that we're created in the image of God gives me two implications. Number one, it means that there is dignity in every single human being. 
because the, the God's imprint is on each and every individual. So who am I to treat somebody without dignity when God calls them, you know, and treats them with dignity, right? That's number one. Number two, the second implication is that if we're all created in the likeness of God, that means all of us have the potential to serve God. No matter how lost someone is, maybe you're like, no, this person, <laughs> if you only knew, this person really took it really far, you know. And God's like, you don't understand, my likeness is in them. So that, because my imprint is in them, they already have the potential. They already have that imprinting. They are, their whole life, they're seeking those eyes. Their whole life, they're living and seeking for the eyes they saw on their own front body. But they don't know what it is, but it's God. They have a God hunger, because God created that hunger when he formed them. And so that means I don't care how lost you are. You can be saved. You can come to Christ. Or I don't care how far you are in a tribe remote that doesn't know anything about culture or anything about society or civilization. Even them are in the likeness of God and have the potential to receive Jesus Christ and can and want to. They just don't know it yet because they were created in the image of God. So this should change our minds. People are created in the imago Dei, the image of God. And if they are, man, we should begin to see people differently. We should begin to see them with dignity, and we should begin to see the potential of salvation for every single human being that is out there. That should change you. That should change your mind. May God help us with that one. I will read a few more verses and be done. From the same mouth will come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things are ought not to be so. Verse 10. So the actual meaning of the word integrity means made of one substance. So if out of your mouth comes both blessing and cursing, my brother, my sister, I love you, but you lack integrity. Because integrity, that word literally means made of one substance. It's integrity, it's one. Uh, it's not two, there's no mixed thing to sin, there's one thing. And so James is like, what's up? Why are you with your mouth, your, your blessing on Sunday and cursing on Monday? That makes no sense. Makes no sense to God, makes no sense to me, says James. So if you're using your mouth for good and for evil, both, you're just not living in integrity. And so James is like, brothers, that should not be so. Like, let's get it together. Let's talk it, let's say it in real language. He's like, come on guys, let's get it together. That should not be so, okay? Next verse, 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? He's a second, basically, point of the same connect, connecting thought. Decide what your spring will be. Guys, decide what your spring will be. Decide that your spring is going to be fresh water. Decide that out of you will come healing. Decide that out of you will come just words of power, words of life, and words of affirmation, and words of encouragement, and scriptures. Like, that should be flowing out of our mouth. Like, you should be texting your friends, hey, I saw this verse, I thought of you. Hey, to your spouse, hey, I saw this verse, I thought of you. To my kids, hey, I saw this verse, I thought of you. We should be sharing that word, like sharing it, like how easy it is to text. It's easy to copy and send. Like, why are we not doing that? The word should be flowing out of us. In fact, the word says your conversation should be seasoned, like seasoned with salt and, and verses and hymns and songs. And that's the way Christians should talk with each other. And so you say, oh, that sounds hyper-religious. That sounds like you're super spiritual. No, it sounds like a Christian. It sounds like a true Christian. And so let us uh, 
be unleashing fresh water out of our hearts, out of our tongue, instead of salt water. Can I get an amen? amen. Last verse. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine product produce figs? Neither can salt can a salt pond yield for fresh water. And so earlier I said, you know, decide what your spring will be. The last verse is just decide what your fruit will be. Decide what your fruit will be. Let the words of your mouth uh, just be fruit that other people can come and, and, and eat and be nourished by. And so I, I, I pray that when people come at work, hey, I have a question. Uh, I, I know you're Christian. Can you help me with this? I hope, oh my gosh, I hope that there's so much word inside of you that you, you can give them a fruit. Say, here you go. Romans, here you go, a little bit of Ephesians, eat of that. Here you go, a little, a little bit of Genesis. But if people come and they find no fruit, that's a problem. Remember that tree that Jesus saw that had no fruit? Remember the fig tree? What did he do to it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not going to go too much in there because I'm not James. But there should be fruit, abundant fruit, everywhere around us, through, through us and flowing out of our mouth. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's... Um, have our worship team come as we close here. Um, we, you know, tonight is, like I was saying, a good night to do inventory. You know, you should be saying, Lord, you know, show me. How am I doing in my speech? How am I, how am I doing with this thing, this uh, member here that gives me trouble sometimes? How's my heart doing? Um, when I was preparing for this, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, you know, there's some of you here that you're getting ready to say something that you shouldn't. You need to hold back. Saying the thing you think you can say because you own the right to say it will cause more damage than good. And the Holy Spirit is saying, restrain. Hold back. That's a word for some of you. Don't say it. Let me take care of it. Let me do justice. Amen? In the same token... I felt the Holy Spirit also saying now, some of them need to open their mouth. Goodness gracious. Some of them need to like let that spring free flow out of their mouth. Like get it out of there. Like it's bursting inside, but it just stays here. Never flows out of that tongue. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, speak life. Speak the word. Get to your house and speak of your children and speak of your marriage and speak of the dry bones. Like speak it and let that word come true. Because the Word of God is creative and it has life. And it has nothing to do with naming and claiming it. But it has everything to do with what the Word said the Word was going to do. And that's how we live. Amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.